Well, this is, uh, just thank the Lord for what he's doing. This is a, it's a good time to be alive. <laughs> Say that right now. It's a good time to be alive. <laughs> yes. Um, I got a couple of words before I bring Stephen Marcy up here. Um, I had a word for uh, you in the plaid shirt, beard. What's your name, man? Sam. Sam. It's nice to meet you. I'm Travis. Sam, I, I, I look back during worship, and I've, immediately I, I've just felt like I heard the Lord say, now, I don't know if you're familiar with our house, but when we give words out, we don't claim to be infallible or anything like that. We're, if it, we want it to encourage you and to, and to bless you. So um, if it's, we tell people, it's like, listen, if it doesn't register with your heart, you don't have to take it. You know, but if it, if it does, if it's a blessing to you, that's what we're looking for. But you always take words that people give you to the Lord because he's, he's the one that, that weighs the words of, of men and stuff like that. So, but anyways, we do believe God speaks to his people though. And um, so anyways, Sam, the word I heard was little John. And I thought of little John from Robin Hood. And, uh, and then I thought of John the Baptist and John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. And I feel like that's a really a cry of your heart. Like you, you want Jesus to be exalted. You want Jesus to, make, to be magnified. And you want to decrease. And the, the great thing about that is those who humble themselves shall be exalted. But you're not looking to be exalted. You just want to get low. And I, th I feel like the Lord just wants you to know that he sees that. He sees your heart in that. And, uh, but there's also this thing about little John and, and Robin Hood is there's, there's a really an inner strength in you. There's a, there's a definitely a, a warrior spirit in you, but also you're, you're a very loyal friend. And I feel like this morning, God, more than anything, God just wants to, you to know that he sees you, that he understands your heart. He knows even, um, I think that sometimes we, when we're thinking about God and our heart is feeling things, Sometimes we don't think that's prayer, but I think that's prayer, you know, because it's um, when, you're, when your heart is feeling, it's like the, it says the, whole, the spirit moans and groans with intercession. So sometimes you don't have the words. It's just like, oh, Lord. Mm. And, I, and I just feel like Lord has felt that groaning in you. And he, he understands. He knows every language, including groaning. And so uh, anyways, bless you, ma'am. Um, and then uh, I was reading uh, Proverbs 15 this week, and verse 15, it says, All the days of the afflicted are bad, but he who has a cheerful heart has a continual feast. And it's, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. And so the cheerful heart has a continual feast. I just meditated on that all week. A cheerful heart has a continual feast. That means there's always provision for the cheerful heart. And I think part of uh, a, a key piece of having a cheerful heart is thanksgiving. Because what thanksgiving does is it opens up your eyes. I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm talking about giving thanks. What it does is opens up your eyes to what the provision is already in front of you. And then it also provide, it creates a door for more provision to come. Because God, when you're, when you're, 
when you appreciate and are thankful for what you have, it's like it just releases um, God to send you more. And, but it's always, it's that continual, it says a cheerful heart has a continual feast. If you have the joy of the Lord, you could live under a bridge without a home or without, it doesn't matter. Like the joy of the Lord is not dependent upon your surroundings. It comes from the inside out. And so um, I want us just to do a few, and, and well, before I get, go to that, Psalm uh, chapter 2, it says, Why do the nations rage and plot in vain? And the nations are, there's the enemy, the devil, and all his cronies are they're stirring up stuff. They're trying to divide the world. They want to steal, kill, and destroy from humanity. And, uh, and, it's, and in Psalm 2, it says it's in vain. It's in vain. That's a good word right there, right? Why do the nations rage and plot in vain? It says, after that, it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. So did you know that when you laugh, you're actually, what is, first of all, what is prayer? It's agreeing with heaven. So worship is agreeing with God about who he says he is. You're good, you're merciful, you're kind, you're faithful. Prayer is agreeing with what heaven is saying. And so we listen. God, Father, what do you want to pray? And we pray it. So part of the intercession of heaven, part of what's currently happening in heaven is there's laughter. There's inter- inter- the laughter is the intercession. And so a lot of t- your laughing can actually be a form of intercession. And so I've been doing that this week where I've been, I'll name problems and I laugh at them. How many of you, have you ever laughed at a law? Raise your hand if you've laughed at a law. Okay? So this is like a really good tool for you to have in your tool belt. And, and so I was asking um, the Lord, you know, what are some lies that maybe some people are, are believing today? And so whenever I read the law, you're going to laugh. And you just give your best laugh. It doesn't matter if it's a fake laugh or it's a real laugh. Because faith is not based on emotion. When you pray, if I did everything on emotion, I'd probably be in a hole somewhere, you know, like trying to hide myself or whatever, you know, just because I would stay in that bad place. You know, everybody has challenges. But what making a cold-blooded choice sometimes will actually bring your emotions into alignment with what the truth is. And so I call it cold-blooded just because you don't feel anything. It's a choice. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody and you didn't feel the presence of God? That's faith. How many of you prayed for somebody and you felt the presence of God? That's faith. How many of you have chosen to forgive somebody and you didn't feel like forgiving them? That's faith. So when you laugh, it's faith. Y'all understand? All right. So get ready to laugh. I'm going to read the law, and then we're going to laugh. I will never get out of debt. (laughs) There is something uniquely wrong with me. (laughs) 
I'm too poor to do anything. <laughs> My long-standing problems will not change. <laughs> I have no positive impact on the world around me. <laughs> And so, you just joined the Father in heaven laughing at the enemy. Because right now, the enemy, he's snarling and he's frothing at the mouth and he's raging. And Father's just like, man, you are such a child. And he's, he's laughing because he's, he's like, this is in vain. You're, all your plans are in vain. The sword, Psalm 37, one of my favorite scriptures, says the sword that the enemy raised up against me will pierce his own heart. Everything that the enemy tries to use against you. The enemy tried to take me out with pornography earlier on in my life. Now I get to slay him with that sword. Jesse, enemy tried to take him out with depression. Now he gets to slay the enemy with that sword. You all have a sword that the enemy's placed in your hand to actually insert into his heart. He's given you the weapon to kill him. And it says if, if the rulers and authorities understood the mystery of God, they would have never crucified the king of glory. Jesus killed the enemy with the very instrument that he, the enemy tried to kill Jesus with. Jesus killed the devil with the cross and put the final his final resting place on him with the cross, prepared the lake of fire for him and his devils. God always wins. God always wins. And he's so big, he's so good, he just turns whatever meant for evil for good. And so, maybe you got something? I'm, I'm about to wrap up. You, you come on up. Yeah. that to me. Um, I just had a word for somebody. So I don't, I've met you before. I feel like I'm Jessica. I'm Kaylee. Kaylee. Where did I meet you? Did I meet you here? Um, As you were leaving? Yeah, when I was oh, yeah, that's right. Kaylee, I remember your face. Um, so um, my daughter is very aware of what's going on with people. And so she actually pointed me out, you out to me and she was like, what's going on with her? And so um, I said, I don't know, you know, and like, it's good for her to see people encountering God. It's just really fun that our kids get to see that. And so we prayed for you and um, Zuri, who's seven, was praying for you. And she, um, so anyway, while we were praying, I got a picture of like a rainbow over you. And in the center, I wish I was an artist because I would draw it for you, but it was a beautiful rainbow. And in the center of the rainbow was... Um, like a fig leaf. It was like a olive branch. It was, it was big. It wasn't a fig leaf. It was an olive branch. That's what they covered themselves with. It was the olive branch. Like, so it was like a picture of the promise of God and the provision of God kind of all mixed together. And I just felt like he wants you to know that his promises to you are yes and amen. And he's going to do what he said for you. And then I... I um, 
I sometimes do this where I tell people how my process goes with giving a word. So I heard 1 Peter 7. There's not seven chapters in 1 Peter. Okay? So then I was like, well, God, can we try again? <laughs> so 1 Peter, there's only five. So I'm going to look at verse 7. I just want you all to know that it's not like always you're like, oh, okay, I missed it. I'm not saying anything. You know, like just keep asking. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, what a great verse. So 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I just feel like he just wants you to know he cares about you. And he's giving you some promises that you're like, that's probably never going to happen. Laugh at that. It's going to happen. He has a rainbow over your life. His promises for you are yes and amen. It's a good word. Um, well, if you've never, you know, if you're kind of relatively new to uh, the awakening, then I want to introduce to you Steve and Marcy Fish, who are Jessica and I's dear friends, but they've raised us also in the faith in, in, in a lot of ways. And um, Jessica and I used to live in Fort Worth, Texas uh, for six years, and we became a part of Convergence Church that Stephen Marcy pastor. They've been the pastors there for 25 years, or is it more than that now? 26 years. One church. Y'all give him a hand for that. <laughs> and um, they are some of the most encouraging people you'll you ever, ever meet. Um, Marcy is authentic and real and just will prophesy your heart to you and lay it right here and just say, this is what's in your heart right here. And um, Steve is probably the, the best encourager I've ever come across in my entire life. And uh, the way when he preaches, but also personally, he's always spurring you on to love and good deeds. And, um, but they, they were precious to us. It's a, they're on the board for the awakening as well, along with Chris and Amber White, who's going to be here next Sunday, double treats back to back. But, um, we're just, this is just a, a huge honor to have them here. And this, y'all are their grand, grandchildren. We're their children, spiritual children there. Y'all are the grandchildren. And, uh, and so, uh, anyways, it's, I can't, I could go on for like 20 minutes, but I guess I'll let y'all preach. And, uh, but y'all, y'all give a hand to whoever, both Steve and Marcy, we love you guys. We're so thankful for you. Well, we're so happy to be here. And, um, you know, Travis always talks about what they've learned from us, but I'm just telling you that we are learning from them all the time. I'm like taking notes when they talk. So just so you know, that's a two-way deal right there. We have four adult children. Three of them are married. So we have seven children who are all about your age, most of you. And I love all of, most all of you would be classified as millennials. I love millennials. You're my favorite because you want the real thing. And you're not content with the fake thing. And I love that about you. And I love it that we get to come together like 
Steve and I, you know, every Sunday, we ask God what he wants to do. We have no desire to come and, like, just have church. And I know that's why you're all here, because that's your heart as well. And, you know, we get to come and encounter God and leave different than we came. So who wants to leave different than you came today? That's, that's like a reality. And just as we were worshiping, I just was like that song, your love is extravagant. And I just felt like God just like, you know, engaging me in that place of like, really? Like how extravagant do you really think my love is? You know, we're all singing it, but what do we really believe about it? Is his love extravagant enough for, you know, what my heart needs? for what my family needs, for that annoying person in my life. You know, like, how extravagant really is his love? Is it extravagant enough for racism? Is it extravagant enough for the pain that's going on in our nation? How extravagant do you really believe it is? I think God wants to engage us today. And Steve has an amazing message full of revelation. And I feel like, like, literally, I just want to pray over all of us Right now, I just feel like God wants us to take um, all of our definitions about God and about ourselves, and just open up our heart and mind to him. A friend of mine recently said to me, I want to know God, not define him. And I've been like, I've been pondering that all the time since she said it. How many of us, you know, we want to know God, not just define God. And God's love defines who we are. So we get to have new definitions of God and new definitions of ourselves today. We get to have a new knowing. So who's down for that? If you're down for that, put one hand on your heart and one hand on your head. You know, sometimes our heart gets things that our head just is like, no, I just can't get that. And sometimes our head is getting things and and our heart's just like, no, I can't get that. God wants to do something in our heart and our mind today because that brings knowing. So right now, God, we give you all our definitions of who you are, our definitions of ourselves And all those things in our lives and those voices that try to define us in ways that are not who you say we are. So we give you all that and we open up our hearts and minds today, God, for a new knowing. We receive a new knowing today in your presence, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I like that woman right there. That woman can preach, too. So she's amazing, and we've been married for a long time. <laughs> After a while, you just you don't say all the years. So, But I was just thinking here today how 38 years ago, God really touched my life when I was a freshman at Baylor University. And I was there, and my world was being shaken up. I was used to, you know, being a senior in high school where... Everything was going my way. You know, I was the president of the National Honor Society. I got elected student government. My grades are there. and So I'm a freshman at Baylor. My grades suck. (laughs) 
The girl I wanted to date went out with my friend instead. I ran for student body, like a freshman vice president, and didn't make it. And it's like everything that I had relied on in my life was falling apart. But one, one night in my dorm room, my roommate and I began to pray. And something happened to me like it never happened before. And the presence of God filled that room. And I didn't know how to ask for that. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was more. And I'm just so thankful that when I w didn't even know what to ask God for, that he came and showed me how real he really is. That he is reality. And uh, my dad was a preacher and a pastor, and I never wanted to do that. I was going to go program computers. Um, and that's great, but that night when, when God really touched me, I was like, you know what, whatever this is, I didn't know what to call it, but whatever this is, I want to do this. And uh, so I just want to let you know today that the encounters that you're having and that you're leading people into here in this region, that truly it's possible that you never get over it. <laughs> and I really haven't gotten over what God has done in my life, and to this day, I'm just hungry to know him more and uh it's such a blessing to be here we we love we love this house we love travis and jessica and jesse and this whole team that that is emerging we love the season that you're coming into as a church and uh, i i was praying on the plane on the in the way here and you know travis i just saw you with this gold crown on your head and uh, it was funny that we were playing basketball and you said something about a crown on your head because you made the shot, of course. But, and, uh, but I heard Psalm 6511 that said, you've crowned the year with your bounty. And I feel like as you guys are coming into this next year that it's really going to be a year, a year of bounty. And I saw you standing on this track with strength to run the race. And I... <laughs> I felt in my heart um, just what, uh, as you guys started this, I saw that, you know, the enemy and even the religious spirit was looking at this going, that'll never make it. <laughs> we could laugh at that lie. <laughs> that'll never make it. And I, and I just saw what a surprise the awakening has been uh, to the enemy and to also the religious who kind of looked and just thought this is just another kind of flash in the pan kind of thing. And, uh, and here you are. And I really, I heard this phrase that you have established a stronghold. This, this is a stronghold in this region. And, uh, and that's a big deal. And the kingdom of God... You know, it's so not about having the most numbers. I mean, numbers are great, but it's about being obedient to the call and taking the place that God has for you. We don't need every church to be the same. Churches bring in things that regions need in the spirit. And you guys have brought things into this region that haven't been a stronghold in this region. And you've begun to develop them as a stronghold. The worship the prophetic, what you guys bring 
in that, the going after the presence of God and intercession, the vision that you have for just radical community and, and loving each other. It's a stronghold in the region. You guys are like these, you know, SEAL teams. You know, a SEAL team is not about having the biggest army, but it's about a group of people taking their place and doing their assignment, and they do amazing incredible things. And you guys have added a dimension to the region in the spirit realm. And it's like, you know, it's like when you're cooking that there's ingredients that if you don't have those, it doesn't work right. You know, I, I don't cook a lot. And, uh, but you know, I was like, well, I don't, you know, it says baking powder. I'll put a little baking soda. Well, it just didn't work. You know, like baking, you had to have baking powder that kind of acts sometimes like that leaven. And uh, it doesn't take much, but it radically changes what happens. And that is what, what the awakening does. And, you know, I, I, I feel like, Travis, you're such a no-compromise man. And I, I saw that really offending the enemy <laughs> and really offending the strong, you know, the enemy strongholds of this region that you just you stand for what's right and just in that place of integrity and uh, and I saw that there really is that pastors and pastors of large churches and things in this region really have gained incredible respect for you and, and the place that you have in this region and I saw you, as, as I was just continuing to pray there on the plane, I saw you bowl a strike, and I saw the thing light up and say, when. And I just want to say, when. When. I feel like sometimes in ministry, it's really hard because there's always more. But sometimes we need to stop, and I feel like the Lord says to us, when. And I just want to say that over the two of you. And, and Jessica, you, I just saw you like this cord that binds it all together. And uh, you set the temperature, you set the atmosphere of the mix. And uh, you do so many things, but your desire just to be real, the authenticity that you carry is just an amazing ingredient and s such an important ingredient in the mix. And I really sense that the Lord loves that about you. The raw, real conversations, the way that you do that is such an important ingredient here and you guys are you guys are awesome. Let's give these guys a hand today. They and we were talking earlier, what's your name? Stuart. Stuart and I were talking about shoes. And uh, I could tell when we were having this conversation that Stuart really loves a good pair of shoes. And uh, so I went over there, and, 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 you know, you shared a little bit of what, what Stuart does, not a lot. But I saw you, Stuart, that Ephesians 6, it says, shod your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And I feel like you've done that. But as you were describing to me the care that went into making these certain kind of shoes, which I thought was really cool, you do that. And I feel like that's your calling, that you are going to see people fitted out with the gospel, the readiness of the gospel. And you're going to put these amazing shoes on people that are going to fit them. It's not going to be one size fits all. <laughs> you know, as you were describing, these shoes are like custom molded and made. And, and I feel like that's what you do for people. 
and you're going to bring people who aren't ready to preach the gospel. It's the, red, the shoes of the preparation. It means readiness. People are going to get ready when they get around you. And their shoes are going to be fitted out. And people who are believing the lie that they're, they can't share the gospel. They can't bring the kingdom. You're going to put some shoes on them. And they're going to be like, I can do this. And people are going to do things because of that that they wouldn't have done. And many times even too, I feel like you're going to help people change their mindsets. Because we have this mindset of, well, I can't really do that. I'm not an evangelist. I can't really share. Well, everyone gets to have the shoes of the gospel of peace on. And you know how when you were a little kid, you, you know, your parents took you and got you some new tennis shoes. And you said, look, Mom, I can run faster. How many did that? Well, you know, but I, used to, I really think I did run faster because I thought I could. In that moment, I really do think that so many times, like, if we need to get our minds set. And I feel like you're going to help people shift into that mindset. And uh, I feel like you're going you're gonna to do that while you're here. But I also feel like you're going to get to do that in other places, too. That you're, there's going to be a dimension where you go out some and even get to do that in the nations. And people who've never had shoes uh, are going to get some shoes. So, bless you, man. Yeah. Fun stuff. God is good. Well, hey, I, you know, I've, I've just been asking the Lord... What to, uh, what to share on this morning, and I'll see if this works. Um, I saw it up here a minute ago. All right. Well, hey, I want to share this morning about, uh, just about identity. Um, I, I feel like God wants to give us all an upgrade of identity. You know, earlier this year, um, my identity was stolen. <laughs> I started getting these letters from the IRS they were like, you know, call us now. I was like, uh-oh, what did I do? You know, and so when I called them, it was like they didn't just accept that it was me. I had to, like, answer a hundred questions, it seemed like. Like, okay, what was this? What was, you know, what year did you do this? What Have you ever been here? Have you ever? And they were just asking me all these questions because someone else had also sent in a, a tax return with my Social Security and uh, they were asking for money back. I actually donated quite a lot to the IRS <laughs> this last year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I, I just want to talk about the battle for identity because to go where you're going, we've got to have an identity upgrade. Um, it was about a year ago I wrote in my journal, and I want to encourage you to keep a journal. Um, your life is worth writing down. <laughs> And God's going to show you stuff that someday you're going to be really happy that you wrote it down. And, and I've been writing down stuff. I started about the fifth grade, you know. And I don't have all of it, but I have, I have most of it. And it, it does something when I can go back and look at that. Like, what was God saying to me 30 years ago? And I can go look and remember that. And it, it really helps me build on it. So one day I was, I was actually mowing the yard back in July and uh, I was, well, I wasn't having the best day. Let's put it that way. And I heard the Lord, and he, say, he said to me, I need you to believe that you're great. Well, I've had the Lord say things like that to me before. But in this moment, I just felt this thing that, like, it wasn't just about me. It wasn't just like, hey, you need to think you're great. That's all, yeah, that's all exciting, all that. Yeah, I, I had this sense that, that if I didn't believe 
that I was really great, like my father says I am, that I wasn't going to be able to do what he's called me to, to do. And it actually, other people's lives weren't going to be changed if I didn't believe that. And it was a whole different dimension that I had never felt about identity before. And so in the book of Numbers, there's a story, and most of you know the story, where the 12 spies were sent out, and uh, they went out to look at the land, and it says in Numbers 13, 32, it says um, that they gave the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they'd spied out. And the land through which we've gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people whom we saw are men of great size. And there also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak were part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So here's, there's their identity problem. So they, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And if you're a grasshopper, it's going to be pretty tough to conquer a giant. And so, you see, there's things that God is going to be calling us to do that are actually even going to be impossible <laughs> like, until our identity rises up to a higher level. Because if you're a grasshopper, it's going to take this huge amount of faith to believe that you can go in and conquer this land. But if you know who you are, that you're a son and a daughter of the King of the Most High, the Lord of the armies of the earth, the hosts of heaven, and there's more with us than there is with them. If you know that, and then your identity's up here, it doesn't take a huge leap of faith to get where you need to go. And so it's even funny. They said, you know, our enemies saw us as grasshoppers. Well, how do they even know that? You know, who told you that? <laughs> so the devil is actually terrified of you. And he's especially terrified that you might really know that you are who your heavenly father says you are. And you can do what he says you can do. So out of that... They, they lifted up their voices. There was just, it was, you know, they, they were stuck. They grumbled. Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. And they went through this whole thing. But the root of it was really their identity problem. That they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And so out of that, they felt stuck. Felt like, we don't have what it takes. I don't have the resources to do this. And so the identity problem of 10 leaders kept an entire generation from entering into their inheritance. Wow. So it's so important for us and that, that we really accept that we are who our Father says we are. So they had this amazing prophetic word, but they had a low sense of identity. And so, so they weren't able to enter into it. And it takes a huge leap of faith for a grasshopper to conquer a giant... But a son of the king knows that his father is going to back him up with all of the armies of heaven. And so they could have stepped into that place, but they lost their inheritance because they lacked their identity. And so I feel like today, like God's really going to help pull our identity up to a new level. And this is something that he's going to be working in us um, in this season, knowing our identity enables us to walk in the fullness of our inheritance. Knowing our identity makes faith easy, like for provision. 
if you really know that you're a son of God and that your father delights in you, if your father delights in you, he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide. And so if you know who you are, it doesn't take this big leap of faith to, to believe that God's going to provide. Because, see, identity creates access. And sometimes we're hitting these walls. Anybody ever hit walls? <laughs> you know, we're like feeling stuck and we're hitting these walls. And the Lord's been showing me that, like, I keep hitting this wall right here, but that what I need is not even at this level. That it's not about breaking down this wall. It's about that he wants my identity to go up here and that what I need is really up on this level. And that I'm not ever going to be able to do these things that have been great things that have been prophesied over my life. I'm not going to be able to do them as long as I think of myself down here. But that I've got to begin to see myself up here. And up here is the provision for what I need in this place where I'm going. And up here are the tools that are going to take me to the next level, not pushing against this wall down here. So it's, we get access when we receive and recognize our identity. If you really know that you're president, then you're going to access Air Force One, you know? But if you don't know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be trying, you're going to be pushing, and there's access for things when we recognize and know our identity. So God is sending his one and only son to accomplish the most difficult, important task of all time. And so, you know, like, what is he, what is he going to say to the son as he's sending him out? Is that what he said? <laughs> that may be what your earthly father said. <laughs> That's not what your heavenly father said. You can do this. That's pretty good. I mean, that's better. That's encouraging. But what the Father said to Jesus at his baptism, before he'd done any miracles, Heavenly Father at Jesus' baptism came and, and, and said the Holy Spirit came upon him in that moment, which the Holy Spirit wants to do that to all of us. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit came in me when I met Jesus on May 21st, 1971, and hardly anyone in this room was born. <laughs> yeah. But the, I didn't know what it meant for the Holy Spirit to be on me until 10 years later. That Holy Spirit doesn't want to just be in you. He wants to be on you. Bill Johnson says this. He says, the Holy Spirit's in you for you, but he wants to come on you for others. And so... We're learning to live with the Holy Spirit on us. And it was at this phase in that Jesus began to minister. The Holy Spirit had been in him. He wasn't lost. He didn't need to be saved. The Holy Spirit had been in him. But now the Holy Spirit came on him, and he's going to go and begin to heal. He's going to go and begin to demonstrate power. And it's the same way with us. The Holy Spirit's been in me, and there's been some good fruit and some things from that. But when the Holy Spirit came on me, I began to experience this boldness. I'd be like, oh, I can tell people about Jesus. I always knew I was supposed to, but I wasn't able to until the Holy Spirit came on me. And so the voice comes out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so this is what Heavenly Father 
is sending Jesus out on the most important mission of all time. And this is what, he's, what he said. You are my son. One translation translates it. It says, you are the son in whom I delight. So it's like, this is what you need, Jesus, where you're going. I want you to know that I, I have this amazing, incredible love for you, that you are my son, and I'm incredibly pleased with you. That is what Heavenly Father sent Jesus out. You're my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So when it says beloved son, that he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, you have access as a son to all that I am. Could that maybe be helpful? <laughs> Actually, there's no other way that this gets done. Apart from, Jesus said, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. It, it takes that intimacy with God. And so he's saying, I've given you access to all that I am. You have access as a son to all my inheritance, to all the resources of heaven are yours. You have access to this. You are my son with whom I'm pleased. I'm really pleased with you, not because you did great or didn't do great. I am pleased with you because you are my son. Period. I'm pleased. So the greatest thing that you're going to need to fulfill this journey is intimacy with me. And, and Heavenly Father saying to Jesus, you got it. You got it. I am pleased with you. I give you access to all that I am. You have all inheritance it is all yours. Intimacy with me and you have it because you're my son. So what you need to fulfill your calling is wrapped up in the fullness of your identity. And the most important aspect of our identity for every single one of us is knowing that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. Doesn't whatever else is part of your identity, you know, father, um, intergalactic apostle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it is, nothing is more important than I'm a son of God. And I live in that place of intimacy with him. So think about it, though. You know, if you believe <laughs> that this is my son that I tolerate, and sometimes, you know, now we all know the right answer today, but, some, but sometimes we let this kind of thought get in there. We're like, you know, because we let things also, you know, get our perceptions get damaged by things that happen here, here on earth. And so we picture Heavenly Father many times as just tolerating us. You know, I, I make a lot of mistakes. God's got to be kind of angry with me. You know, I, I don't do it all right. I've got some struggles in my life that have been there for 100 years. I don't have it all together. And so our brain starts going, and, you know, it comes up that God tolerates me. Okay? So, but if I think that God just tolerates me, then it's going to be, how's it going to be, how intimate can you be with someone that, like, you think tolerates you? I mean, intimacy is going to be difficult, don't you think? And then revelation, like how much insight 
is someone who just tolerates you really going to give you? You know, Jesus said, a slave doesn't get much revelation, but I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. And friends get to know the heart of their master, not just commands, not just being tolerated. And so it's going to be hard to move forward and do what I'm called to do because everything flows out of intimacy. And so there's going to be that feeling like we're just going to push or, or just maybe that it's not working at all. But if we really know that Heavenly Father is pleased with us, then if somebody's really crazy about you, intimacy's much easier. And if somebody's really crazy about you, you know, you could believe that they might share with you the secrets of their heart. And then so out of that, there's a place where we can step in and, and really fulfill what God has called us to do. And because we're able to access, because we know our Father delights in us. So here's something that's very interesting. Three verses later. Matthew 4, verse 3. The tempter came and said what? If you are the... All right, three verses earlier, you are, oh, so what is the enemy attacking? It's identity, yeah. The one area where the enemy's like trying to like, if I can just get it right here, if you are the son of God, and we all know how, how that voice works. That it's not just that voice, there's a power behind it. And all of a sudden you just feel like you're no good. All the, you know, it's like, if you are the son of God. And so the enemy came and attacked the identity of Jesus right from the start. So the devil's primary assault against Jesus was Jesus' identity. So... But, you know, many times we can get in that same place when we listen to those voices like, if you are, if you are. And we begin to live out of like, if you are really spiritual, you will do this. And behind that voice is like, you aren't really spiritual. So you're going to have to do something to become spiritual. And I want to tell you something today. If, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are spiritual. No matter what you live like this week. In fact, the Bible calls you a saint. Say to the person next to you, you're a saint. Saint Travis. Saint Marcy. From now on, we will call each other saints. No. But you are. And saint means holy one. In fact... In the book of 1 Corinthians, the church there at Corinth wasn't doing too hot. They were having all kinds of issues. There was immorality and all these kinds of things going on. And Paul starts that letter, letter and, and he doesn't say, like, you bunch of no good, trashed out, you know, I'm so ashamed of you. You know, you know what he says? He says, saints. He's, he calls them saints. He's like, hey, you're saints. You're just not acting like it. You see, but... We're saints because of what Jesus did, not because we came to church today. Okay? And so we got we to gotta really get this. Like, you're, you're holy because Jesus says you're holy, and Jesus lives in you, and he's pretty holy. 
And so out of that, we live holy. We choose to live holy to agree with that. I don't worship so I can become a temple. I worship because I am a temple. I don't pray so that God will be pleased with me. I pray because God is pleased with me. And we really like to talk. I don't read my Bible so that I can be, you know, spiritual. I read my Bible because I am spiritual. And so it's about identity. And so I don't do things to be spiritual. I do things because I am spiritual. And it's, it's really important that we get that. So I don't do things to try to please God. I do things because God is pleased with me. <laughs> and God is pleased with me for one reason, and that's because of Jesus. Because of his finished work on the cross. That's the only way that I'm, I'm ever accepted. So one day I was praying, and every year I ask the Lord to show me something on my birthday. I, I think it's the greatest gift you could ever get would be something like, God, just show me something that I need to know. And, and one year, I remember exactly where I was. It was my birthday. It may have been a day or two after, but I was just praying. I was like, God, what, what's the revelation this year? And this question just popped in my mind, and it needs a question mark. What if you already are the man you always wanted to be? I was like, whoa. <laughs> so after I, was, I got to think about it. I was like, what if I spent my entire life trying to become who God says I already am, that would be a tragedy. So knowing your identity gives you access to what you need to fulfill your destiny. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. And, and that Greek word is, as you may know, is, is a Greek word, it's poema. You're God's poem. You're his masterpiece. You're his amazing creation. And so for you to accept that, that doesn't glorify you. That glorifies the person that made you, yeah. right? Like if I made this stand and, and you come up and say, this is the most incredible stand you've ever seen, that you actually come to this church because of this stand, because <laughs> you like it so much. And, and it's just this stand has really changed your life. Um, if I made that stand, then who did you dishonor? You honored me. And so for you to recognize that God made you awesome and he made you great and he made you his workmanship, his masterpiece, like his amazing creation and work of art, to receive that actually glorifies him. So, it doesn't just say that you're God's okay creation. You're going to do a few good things and hopefully you won't miss it. <laughs> but sometimes when these things get translated into our life, that's about where we, where we end up. No, you're God's amazing creation. You're going to do great things. God has prepared it. And let me tell you something. He is not going to let you miss it. I am not going to miss what my Heavenly Father has. He's going to do whatever it takes to get me there, and I trust Him to do that. And I believe He's going to do the same for you. And, and He who started a good work in you, He will finish it. He, he did not start in you to just leave you stuck somewhere. Your Heavenly Father is going to complete what He started. So okay works flow out of okay identity, but great works flow out of great identity. So your identity awareness determines what 
you can access. And sometimes, again, as I said, we're pushing harder against that wall. We're trying harder, trying to have more faith. But what we need is really for the level of our identity to go out. And so this is something that the Lord's been speaking to me about lately, as I said earlier, that maybe I've gone as far as I can go without an identity upgrade. And so that's something God's really been, been working in me this year. So grasshopper equal pretty tough to take inheritance. Um, you know, we used to sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, you know? But I want to tell you something. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you're a little light, okay? When the Bible describes you, it describes a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let me tell you something. You're not a little light, all right? You're a laser, <laughs> you know? It's like we got to beam it correctly or it might kill someone. It's so intense. <laughs> You're not a little, you know, triple-A flashlight kind of running weak right now. hope we can see our way around. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. That is who you are. So, I want to end with this. What happens when we know our identity? Going back to Jesus. Started there, we'll end there. John 13, 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from the supper table, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. So, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, he knew his inheritance. Knowing that he'd come forth from God, that's his identity. He knew he was the son of God. Yeah. And knowing that he's going back to God, that's his destiny. That's where I'm headed. Out of that place of knowing who he was, what was he able to do? He got up from the supper. He laid aside his garments and he took a towel. And see, when you know, when you really know who you are, you can radically serve. You can radically give. When you know who you are, it frees you to radically give and serve like you never could if you didn't know your true identity. So I want us to stand this morning and just want to pray over this this morning and even want us to declare some things of, of who, who we are. Father, I just want to thank you for for this house. Lord, I thank you for this, uh, Father, this amazing group of people. And I want to thank you for these sons and daughters of the Most High God that are in this place today. Father, we thank you that we come to you only through the blood of Jesus. That we, are, we have no righteousness on our own, but we have only the righteousness of Jesus <laughs> and that we have all the righteousness of Jesus. <laughs> so, Father, thank you for identity upgrade in this place today. And I just declare over you that you are beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God with whom he is 
well pleased that your heavenly Father delights over you and delights in you and loves you with perfect, perfect, unconditional love. That there is no more love possible than your heavenly Father has for you right now. That he loves you with all his love, with perfect love. And I ask for our revelation of that love to increase today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. I think it would be good for us to just declare some things. Let's say, I am loved. I am am perfectly loved. loved. My heavenly Father delights in me. I am his masterpiece. I am an amazing masterpiece. I am a saint. I am a holy one. I am created for good works. Thank you, Father, that I am your son, that I have full inheritance. Thank you, Father. Lord, cleanse us of all lower level thinking that we have adopted. Lord, we just want to we want to turn from that. We want to repent today of lower level identity. And we want to step into the fullness of what you have, God. Yeah, I just want to pray, too. And I'm, I'm, I really like to like. I like to be close to people. When I'm praying for you, so I even want to just invite you to come up here if this really resonates with you, because I feel like right now, like, you know, Romans 12, 1 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I really just, I'm going back to what I said earlier. I feel like God literally wants to rewire our brain because we develop pathways in our brain that literally have to be re routed. (laughs) I mean, it's a real deal. If you've ever studied the brain, it's a real actuality. And I feel like there's a place in us that it's like, we get it. There's a level where we get it that God thinks that about us. But I feel like there's a disconnect with what we think about us and what we think God thinks about us. They're not congruent. And we don't even feel like they need to be congruent. We kind of have taken on this thing that is like, it might even be prideful if we think about ourselves like God does. And, you know, when somebody really says something really nice about you, we, you know, we kind of tend to want to go, oh, well, you know, I have a stain on my sweater. Like, find something wrong with ourselves. We're, it, it's like our brains are wired that way and even spiritually we can take that on is like that's the humble thing to do I should just always find something wrong with myself but I I really I agree with the repent repent literally means change your mind and I like my definition of repent is come into agreement with God 
So I just want to pray over you because I feel like God wants what you think about yourself to come into agreement with what he thinks about you. So God, I right now, I just break off that religious thing that tells us that we have to find something wrong with ourselves. We have to say something negative. We can't, you know, think we're awesome because then we're prideful. And so, God, I break that off of our brains. I literally ask you, Holy Spirit, to rewire our brain right now. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to create new pathways where we agree with you in who you say that we are. And, God, I thank you that that's actually true humility because true humility is to come into agreement with God. And we don't puff ourselves up. That's actually what happens when we don't think enough of ourselves. <laughs> then we feel like we have to puff ourselves up to look a certain way and make ourselves look better than we are. And so it actually works to the contrary of what we think it does. So, God, I just know, I know from my own life and experience with you that it's, this is not something even that we produce, like work. I'm going to work really hard to, to change my thinking. Sometimes God just has to like, you know, he's God. He really, he's supernatural. So probably he's going to do things that are supernatural. Everybody agree with that? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and you actually even want like supernaturally to work in our hearts and our minds. And all we do is we just open ourselves up to you. So I just saw this like whenever I put my clothes in the dryer, I have to pull out the dryer filter and clean it off. And I, and I feel like God right now, he's like cleaning off our filter. That even with God is speaking what he thinks, it goes through this filter that we have of what we think. And so I just thank you for cleaning off the filters in our hearts and minds today. By your supernatural grace, because by grace we've been saved, it's not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. It, grace is a supernatural thing. We don't produce grace. We just live in grace because grace comes from God. So right now, I thank you for grace, God, to even come into agreement with you in who that you say that we are. And it doesn't matter how many times... What we do or think seems to disagree with who we are because that's a reality. I, 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 my thoughts, I'm like, really? Like, I'm really thinking that right now. Like, I really want something bad to happen to that person because, you know, they really hurt me. So, I mean, we have to just get real. Like, <laughs> sometimes my thoughts don't agree with who I am. But I, those thoughts is not what defines who I am. We bring those thoughts into agreement with who we are rather than bringing who we are into agreement with those thoughts or actions. It's the total reverse so, right, you know, it says to, to bring every lofty thought into agreement with the mind of Christ. 
So we just, all those thoughts and, you know, it's the reality. Like we just don't always think and act like who we really are. But that doesn't define us. So we choose today, God, to let you define us. And even when everything about how we're feeling and acting is not congruent with who we are in you, we bring that into agreement with who we are. And we do not bring who we are into agreement with all that stuff that's not you. So, God, I just want to thank you because I know that you're big enough to do this. I know that my life has literally been transformed because of this very thing. And I'm living proof that God does stuff like that. So I just thank you for these awesome, amazing people. A few of them are my age, most of them. <laughs> it, you're just in an amazing season of life where you get to live all those years ahead of you in this place of discovery every day of who you are in God and who he really, really, really is. So I thank you, God, and I thank you that every person standing up here this morning is leaving this place as a catalyst of your love and grace and identity, that they take it into their families, into Thanksgiving with their friends, that, that people begin to even ask them, like, what is going on with you? And I just thank you for that, God, and I just love you, and I thank you for all these amazing people who are standing up here opening their hearts up and their minds up today, and I thank you that we do not leave here the same, in Jesus' name. All right, you guys can go back to your seats for just a minute. Jesse, can you put up the um, text in church and the tithing? We're going to let y'all go here in just one minute. Thank you, Steve and Marcy. That's exciting, right? Who could use that? What just happened? Okay, I totally could use that. I mean, I like need rewired. The enemy has totally been attacking my identity. That all was for me. I, it, it was just me. It would have been like, <laughs> I needed that whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, Marcy's like, I want you to be close. I'm like, I'm there. I'm, I'm front and center. Just like when you know God gave them something just for me. I'm so thankful. So it's Thanksgiving week. Right? It's exciting. Sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's a little stressful. Okay? I get it. Go into Thanksgiving with your family knowing who you are. You get to serve and give when you know who you are. And you're not trying to prove yourself to everyone in the room. I know most of y'all don't do that. But there's a few people that I've heard of before that when they get with their mom and dad and their brothers and sisters, they try to prove something. Like, no, no, really. I like intern at Wesley and I live on fundraising, but like it's important. Don't worry about it. Don't try to get them to understand you. You know? I know y'all at Wesley are like, how'd she know that? 
I mean, it's okay. It's some people don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. They don't have to understand. You get to love and serve and give because you know who you are. They don't have to. So I just love that. It's such a good word going into Thanksgiving week. Speaking of Thanksgiving, we are family here. And I just want to, this is our Thanksgiving. You can find it on Facebook. You can ask us. You need the address, which is 210 Marshall Drive. Today's a really exciting day for me because I have Steve and Marcy here. I have my mama here. This is my mama. Y'all are all thankful for her because she keeps me she keeps me grounded. Sometimes I tend to go a little crazy. I call my mom all off the chain, and she's like, that's no big deal, Jessica. Stop it. Yeah, so she's amazing. Travis's parents are here, Merle and Diane, and our, our nephew, Ethan, is here from Albany, and we're super happy to have him here. So Thanksgiving brings... See, we, they love us just like we are. You'll get there. You just remember who you are, and you, and you don't try to get people to understand. You just be who you are. And um, the Bonnings are here, Allison and Travis. They're amazing people that are on the front lines for the Lord. We're just so thankful for you guys. We got to send them out kind of. Um, they weren't here very long, but they live in Gainesville, and they were in town this weekend. I'm just really glad y'all are here. And what, we're so thankful for what they do. Travis works with Zach, actually, at, um, at the World Race um, Adventures and Mission. And um, Allison's a teacher and a cheerleading coach. It's just so exciting. Um, and we're really glad that y'all got to come back. The Awakening is a family. You can text family to this number. We'll tell you more about that. And... Um, the Tidely's tech, this, the number for Tidely is right there. If you want to give, you can give through Tidely, or you can write checks and give cash in the box in the back. Old school. Um, <laughs> so however you'd like to give, if you want to give to the gold caps, there is a drop down on Tidely, and there's a, um, you just write gold caps in the missions, whatever you want to do. Write it on the check, and we'll get that money to them. You guys did good giving to the gold caps. I can't wait to announce all of that, but um, they're not here. Okay, Zuri's got a closing joke. Um, why do flashlights turn on and off? So, um, so you can, so, so you can see, so you can have a dance party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all better find you some flashlights. Get some dance party going on at your Thanksgiving. There is more of that at Thanksgiving Feast today at 6 o'clock at 210 Marshall Drive. So um, bring your kids, bring your friends. It's going to be great fun. Watkinsville, 210 Marshall Drive, Watkinsville, not Athens. Thank you, Stuart. Watkinsville. And, um, but sign up on the Google Doc. We want to have enough food for you. Bring a covered dish. It's going to be exciting. We love y'all. Come talk to Steve and Marcy. They want to know who you are. If you haven't met them, come meet them. Have a great Thanksgiving. We are meeting next week. We'll be here. If y'all are in town, come see us. In my